Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. There it is. There's like one more beat on there that doesn't. What's up with this? Why are we getting multiple noises? That sounds horrible. I apologize to the people with headphones on. Um, is it mine? Always technical difficulties. I know. What in the world? I don't think that's us. I just think it's tech. Well, what, who else would it be? I think it's for a lot of people. Anybody. We're not the only ones. Um, <laughs> does that work? I don't know. Someone can tell me if that sounds horrible still. I'd appreciate it. Anyway, I've had two weeks. Look, someone, nothing's keeping us down, right? This is like classroom that you started and you had a lesson plan and it was all ready to go and then the projector doesn't work or there's a fire drill. We're still rolling back into this thing. Like we got it under control because we do. This is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, and my name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel with my sidekick. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this place is meant to be a safe space for you to enter into, to help other people, and to get the help that you need. So please, in the comment section, if you could just let us know what your question is, let us know by putting a cue or a question beforehand, and knowing that, look, some of you just show up and watch. You can just show up and watch your whole life. You don't have to engage. You don't have to say anything. No shade there. No uh, no pressure, right? But if you have a question that's been burning inside of you, you don't even have to say who you are. You can just ask it anonymously or tell us it's for a friend. And, but we'd really love to help you with any question that you're thinking about with regards to education. And remember, that branches out because we are the teachers. So it's doing the work on us that's going to allow us to do the work in our classroom that's ultimately going to allow us to help our students get to a place of success. So any question that you have, more than happy to answer it. Um, and that's it. That's why we do this show. Yes. Ready? I'm ready. ready. Some questions? Okay, Jocko is up next, or first, asking, I have this one class that I always end up seeing last period of every day. Energy levels are down, nobody cares, and they just want the day to end. I would say, for me, those classes have always been like, it's having a, doubled me up there. Oh. Gotta do it. Let, oh, let's do this. No, just hit the like, look. There, I did it. Jocko, we're coming, man. I know, I did just, it, I did it. Okay, just hit the solo yeah, I hit the wrong Okay, cool. So, anyway, sorry. Sorry. The... What we're trying to do here, as my dog's barking in the other room, being crazy because someone's parents are there, is sometimes it's having that conversation. Sometimes it's, listen, y'all, we need. To, I want to have a conversation in the beginning. I know everyone's tired. I know it's the end of the day. I know my energy levels aren't always where I want them to be. Uh, you're certainly not getting. Um, you're certainly not getting eighth period or first period me, but you're still incredibly important to me. I want to do make this class the best that we can possibly make it. And I notice that y'all are tired too. So can we brainstorm some ways? Like what would make this class 
either the best class of the day or make it suck the least amount possible. And so then brainstorm that, write the things on the board, even the bad ideas, even the kids that say, uh, and so are there bad ideas? Yes, kids come up with bad ideas all the time. Like we should be allowed to just go on our phones. We should just be allowed to take a nap. We should be allowed to play video games on our computers. And although I'm not even against those ideas, if but that's another conversation. Because I think taking a nap, I think if we had lunch and a nap at school, it would give kids a wild amount of productivity in the rest of the day and teachers too. So we just need like those, like uh, you see them, like I feel like it, I saw it like in a video about Japan. They have like these little sleep pods. I just think that those should be an investment that school should put money into. Anyway, um, it's having those conversations. It's getting kids to see what they, it's recognizing the issue. It's even not just identifying the issue, but letting kids know that you see it too, you feel it too. How are we going to do this no matter what? Because we got to do it anyway. So it can suck and it can feel like we're pulling it up out of the mud or it could feel not as hard or it could even feel good or great. And so asking your students what they want to do. And then I would consider shifting your class somewhat because look, the, the length that first period took is never the length that eighth period takes. Eighth period feels so much faster because you've done this five times today or six times today. So oftentimes I, if I'm teaching the same lesson for six periods, I am done 10 minutes early at the end. And so for me, that time becomes like, can I incentivize my day where if we can get through this, I'll give you the last five minutes to work on homework for another class, to read a book quietly, to play a game on your computer. Like you've earned it. It's been eight hours of school is a long time to do anything. So think about eight hours of PD, right? And how taxing that is. And we only have that a few times a year, right? But after three days of PD at the beginning of the year, you're like, oh my gosh, man, what time is it? It's 3.30. I feel like I need like a, a B vitamin shot in my arm and, and a cup of coffee. So it's building in the incentive maybe at the end. It's talking to kids about what would they like to see the class look like. It's incentivizing um, serial party, free time at the end, uh, less homework, no homework, whatever it is. But finding some of those things and letting kids, when, once you start doing a thing, never expect the kids notice it. You have to tell them, hey, look, Christopher had a really great idea the other day. He suggested we started doing this with our class. So today, we're actually going to do this. I'm actually going to give you that extra time. I'm actually going to uh, make this take less time. I'm, whatever that is, like, is there a, something you could gift that end of the day period with something so that they see your efforts, they see that you're trying, they see that you care, and and you're you're working together to try and come up with a solution to the problem. All right, the next question is a good one. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, it's from Mallory. She's asking, I have a senior who constantly challenges our school on every rule slash policy we implement, i.e. dress code, attendance. While her concerns are valid and I agree with many of them, she is extremely rude when expressing them and it just turns into defiance. How can I teach her to use her voice for change in a way that is productive and respectful? Mm, so, this is a great question. Um, hmm. I'm going to use, I'm going to use Romina 
as, as, a, as an example here. For Mina, for those of you that read my book, uh, Teacher Class Off, now available on Amazon, uh, Romina wrote the foreword to my book. And the first line from my book is, I hated Mr. Reynolds. This is the first sentence. It's something like, I hated Mr. Reynolds when I first met him. And uh, now, Romina, we brought her on. She's a part of our team at, at, at Real Rap with Reynolds. So she's going to be, if you email me, you're going to get a response from Romina. You might get a response from I'm hoping you get her. If she's doing her job, you get her response from me. Jeez, a pressure. Well, she still talks about. It. She's like, you're the first B I ever got in a class. Damn mm -hmm. right, you deserved it, and she did. So, Romina, to this day, still has a hard time of like holding her tongue or saying things in a way that aren't punch you in the face. It's just like every <clears throat> every minor issue. Romina will just jump to, I'm just going to punch you in the face. And with her words, or she never was a fighter, but like she will let you have it verbally. And did you raise your hand for that? Oh, yeah. I, that is not a skill set that I have. I am definitely. <laughs> I usually back back down, but like. You've gotten much better. I have. And there's a, but I think the thing is, the, the loss is that there's a time and a place for that behavior. I don't think that it's. It shouldn't even exist, right? There's a there's sometimes when your neck has to start doing this thing, and and you uh, you know, oh man, it comes out. I I think that there can be time for that. Even Jesus flipped over tables in the temple. Not going into that whole Bible story, but you know, I think that what we want to teach students is it comes from what do you want? Like, what do you ultimately want? I love when kids challenge authority. I love when they push back. I love when they want to have the conversation. One, you got to learn the time and place to have a conversation, right? If you want your mom to buy waffles, don't wake her up at two o'clock in the morning and ask her to buy waffles. It is not the time and the place. Don't yell to her when she's in the shower or if she's using the bathroom. Don't bang on the door and say, mom, waffles. It's like Will Farrell yelling meatloaf. It's like, it's not appropriate for the moment. Because if what you really want is waffles, wait till the time is there. Wait till your mom is like not necessarily in a bad mood. She's not in the middle of a phone call. She's not in the middle of doing something where she's going to forget. Think of the appropriate time and place to do it. If you want anything in your life, you want someone to date you, you want policy change, you want a job, do not wake up the manager of a store at midnight and, and bang on their door and say, I want a job at your store. Even if you ask them nicely, it is not the time and the place. So if your goal is to win, if your goal is to get what you want, if your goal is to change policy, if your goal is to change the world, you have to know not just how to ask, but when and where to ask. Then we talk about the how. You are, it's the old, um, it's easier to catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Now look, I've never tried to catch a fly in my life unless I want to kill them, but it is, walking students through that level of self-control that it takes. And although it can feel better in the moment, right? What you're doing is you're squashing that, that initial, like immediate dopamine hit of like, it feels good to like put, to give to someone, to punch someone, to yell at someone, to curse somebody out. But rarely does that turn into long-term gain. Actually, more often than not, you're going to get the opposite. 
So what do you want? Are you willing to make the long-term investment? Like the question is not if you want it, it's how bad you want it. Because if you want it bad enough, you'll learn how to play the game. And the game has strategic steps, asking in a certain way, um, asking uh, in, in, in the right time and place, asking with the right words, saying like doing the research. Does, if you don't like school uniform, do the research, look things up, right? You can, it's as easy as going on chat GPT and looking up, like, show me a list of studies that, that speak against the idea of having school uniform, something like that, right? You could probably do it, take a little longer than my like whim of an idea here, but it's having a student then look those up. ChatGPT is just going to give you the whole list. Then you can take the next step, find the ones that you like, do the next step and look it up, then go to the principal, then think about, like, then present your case. And a lot of kids are going to do this. That's too much. I don't want to do all that. Well, then you don't really want it. So then you just have to, you're just going to abide. Because people that don't put in the time don't make any change. People that just do it off of a whim, people that just yell, it's nonsense. And so what you have to do is, is understand that my pastor said this to me one time. I was talking about negative comments on YouTube. And this is even if someone, so this isn't a case of like another student's yelling at you. Let's say this is a scenario, right? Someone's yelling at you and you don't like their, their, what they're saying. So you come back at them or you don't like a situation. And so you're going to like, if the school has a new rule, a new policy, a new procedure, and you don't like it, you yelling at them. He said something in effect of like, people expect the dog to howl at the moon. That's what dogs do. But it get, but when everyone pays attention, and people don't even pay attention to that, but people pay attention when the moon howls back at the dog. And so being mindful of your reaction, because I'll tell you what, as if you're a teen, preteen, even if you're a kid, right? If you go up to someone with some sense of decorum, with respect, with a background of like you did a little bit of research. I'm not talking about writing a dissertation here, I'm doing a little bit of research and asking them at the right place in the right time, like a responsible adult, right? And think about it, most adults don't act like this. They just get pissed off. What is that gonna do? Like they're gonna have to think twice because you're gonna, you're, you are coming at them like a, a, a young person never goes to someone, right? Or especially if you were a hothead in the past, and now it's uh, Principal Ross. Can I have a word with you today after school? I want to talk to you about uh, some new ideas I have around classroom, around dress, dress code, around some of the things that we have to do at school. And then going in and saying, like, presenting your case, having a little bit of research to back it up, it is really going to move the needle. And then that's when we start talking to students about how to, how to make actual change in the world. I think that's one of the first steps to do. So it's how bad that they want it. And if they don't want it, then... I'm not interested in literally, I, I tell students this, I'm not interested in wasting my time and helping you get there because you're, you have to learn how to play the game. You can't just play it any way you want. There's a rhyme and reason to how people get change made in the world. And it's us taking some of those ideas. You can, you can make it your own, right? I'm not asking you to be a robot, but what are we going to do to like, if how bad you really want this, let's go get it together. Amen. That was a long answer. Yeah. I love when you were like, most adults don't even say this. And I think, no. oh, like, that's me. Like, <laughs> but I am just so passionate no. and fiery. Like, I've had to learn to, like, 
regulate my own emotions and, and like, and not have to over explain to people. Like I'm that person. So I don't know it, I'm still learning it. I guess you never learn. But I would say this, way. it's great to have a partner in that. And so Mallory being her partner, I think there's things both people can learn because We've had issues in the past with with folks that we've worked with or whatever, like kids' schools, and you get all heated and do <laughs> all the research, right? You are like ready to go. You are like a fighter that is ready or standing in your corner. I'm and I'm like, the manager goes out first and says, "Listen, do we really want to do this? Because I, mean, I got, I got the lioness is in. She is ready to come out and, and claw people's faces off." But it is us working together because sometimes, like I said, you need someone to go in and be that person. I, here's the other thing about it too, is that, you know, for Mallory student, like I know my tendencies and I know that I'm hot headed. I also know that I, you have a really good ability to like get really mad and still control it. I don't, I see yes. like red when I'm right. When Mine's mad. like in a passion for like yeah. whatever I'm, arguing for or believe in yeah. and so i get like and ramina's the same way like yeah. we're both very similar and like so that. she actually gets smarter i think she just do better if she did start a calm mm -hmm. i don't i don't argue yeah. well like when that when you get to that point it's like watch i that. come from very angry germans so funny and i don't think anybody even knows that side of you no because i because I, I try hard but if you met yeah. any of my family you'd be like oh snap yeah like, that's how they get all right, uh, Seth is up next, awesome. asking, what are some of your favorite first day back to school activities to start getting to know your new students? So, two of them, well, actually, that's not even a get to know you. Um, I would say, who am I sheets, like a regular old, like, not regular, my hot who are my sheet is a little bit different. Um, it's set up a little bit different. But the, I think the Life Odyssey is, is the best project I've ever done in my classroom for that reason. And it's, it's, it's so good that I have not changed it since I started doing it years ago, like over a decade ago. So it is your life between birth and now and 10 events, kids make 10 simple Google slides. It's a little bit more to it than this, but this is the basic premise. Um, your life between birth and now, what 10 moments made you into the human being you are today? And they could be good things, it could be sad things, it could be exciting things, it could be uh, weird things, it could be a connection you made with a friend, whatever it is. But you are, I, I first give an example, I walk students through my 10 items, and then those students share with me what their 10 items are, and then they do it as a presentation in class. It takes about three days, uh, and we start the, the school year off with retrospection, or like, like really being retrospective of your life, of presentation skills, of make, seeing how you work on tech, seeing how you work under a deadline. Um, and it is, it is a way for students to connect with one another and a way for me to connect with my students and have, I will have more information if I do this. Just talked about this at our back to school boot camp last week, um, which I'm really working on having come out as something people can purchase now and watch the recordings, but I got to figure out the logistics and this has been a week and you'll find out about that soon though. But it is, I find out more information about students than anybody else in my school. There's, I, I would wager a bet that I know more in-depth knowledge about my students than anyone that 
has test scores than the guidance counselor does. Unless you've known these kids for years, I got you. And, and I love that because I want to be able to share that with my staff so we don't really understand where students are coming from. But that's my number one thing. All right, our Scott, next what? question is coming from Daniel. Daniel's, uh, you don't put it up here. Oh, yeah, well, no, not yet. Um, first of all, he wanted to let you know that he bought your book. Oh, nice, thank you. So thank you, Daniel. Um, and Daniel is wondering, what is your certification area? Uh, second, so, I grad, so here's the fun part. I graduated, I didn't even go to school for education because I went to, I'm gonna put y'all on blast real quick. Rowan University in South Jersey lost my application. Ready for this? Seven times. Oh my gosh, I remember this. Remember this? So I did bad. all the stuff and they were like, oh, we can't find it. We don't know what happened to it, right? Now look, is there a small chance that I did something? Yes, but it's small. It's a very small chance. <laughs> They lost my application seven times, so I ended up graduating a degree in English, which I quickly realized was useless for me. It wasn't good for anything that I wanted to do. Um, but it was a, it sounded really cool, and I got to read a lot of books. And so then I went back and got my, I went back for a post-secondary degree. So it meant that I only had to take the, the credits I would need to, to bridge the gap between English and, and where I am now. Uh, or, or and my secondary ed degree. So there was another thing in there I could have taken to get my master's, but I really I I could have waited to get in the classroom. I didn't start teaching till I want to say I was twenty seven, and at that time I felt like that was so late to the game. Like five years, I was like, oh my gosh, man, this is like I'm basically ninety going into the classroom. I know this is ridiculous. So because there's people communicate with us now that they don't go back till they're in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. I was one time a guy that was that. in his 70s went back to the classroom and I reached out that. to me. Love it. Because you have all that life experience. But yeah. I didn't see it that way. I didn't see that, like, I lived a whole life, one. And two, 22-year-old Reynolds had no business teaching. I, I was not ready for this <laughs> job at me at 22. So I went back and got my post-secondary uh, stuff with a focus in, in English. So I... My goal was to teach high school English my whole life. That's what I want to do. All right. Um, we're going to jump over to Roger Sam because, hey, thanks for giving us a super chat. We oh, yeah, man. Thanks. So you can if you don't know what a super up. chat is, it's like a way to just support what we do. You can give a donation of any amount that you want, but it bumps your question up to the top. So yeah. awesome, Roger. All right. It's a great uh, profile. Looks like an album. I feel like it looks like a it might radio be an album. head. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, all right. So Roger's asking, what do you suggest for substitute teachers? So... Roger, I'm going to say this. Substitute teaching can be particularly difficult um, if you don't stay in the same school. I find that folks I've known, and I've seen this in my school, right? If you So I substitute taught, and then I got a job. Uh, so I didn't have to stay in substitute teaching. I had a really hard time with it. So, and that was because a couple of things. One, you start noticing that, one, I don't know any of the students. Two, if a teacher has a class that is out of control when they're there, it is 10 times worse when they're not there. That doesn't mean it has to be the same for you, though. So it's, I think, doing things like um, it's knowing exactly what the, you're supposed to be doing that day and knowing exactly where all the resources and materials are. I think that substitute teachers do better, and I've noticed this with work I've left, 
if they mandate that kids have to hand it in at the end of the period. So if, whether it's done or not, this is not a study hall. This is not a chill time. I, kids have to have something to do because idle hands are the devil's plaything or something like that, they said. Um, it's really being mindful of like, like making students hand things in at the end. The other thing I want students to know is that I'm there for them. That's just like, I'm not just your babysitter. I'm here to help you and support you in any way that I can. And so I really try to help kids. I try to, I would, I would suggest not just sitting in your seat, but moving around the classroom, helping students that need it. If kids are too talkative, going and sitting with them, trying to get them like involved, like, Hey, did y'all start yet? Can I help? Can we just do number one together? Can we just get this? Let's just get like the first two done and we'll do it together. Cool. All right, let's just do it. And then that helps also. I find that depending on schools, playing music underneath independent work time really, really helps students to focus in and, and do a better job. And I think for a substitute teacher, the thing that you're gonna, is going to give you the most profound uh, level of success in what you're doing is, is, are these two things. One, it is trying to build relationships with students even though you're a sub. And I think a lot of subs don't do this. But it is showing up, meeting kids in the hallway, talking to students, and then that coupled with going back to the same school. If a school knows that you are pretty good at what you do, you're pretty chill, you show up, you stay the whole time, and you're nice, they will bring you back. Um, so our school would use the same subs over and over and over again because they knew they were reliable. Some of them were only reliable in showing up. They sucked in the class. They were horrible human beings. They yelled at the kids. They threatened them. It was horrible, but we didn't have anybody else, right? There's not a lot of people that want to come to the hood and teach. So when you are um, – when you're in there, it's going back to the same school. And then here's what else I saw. People that really got down with the kids, that were about the work, that were about the students, that met the kids where they are, that expected something of them, that created a vibe in the classroom. Those were kids that like, when they were like, who's the sub? And they'd find out who it was. They're like, oh, yo, that's my guy. Like, thank God. Like, I'm so, I'd rather have them than my teacher sometimes. It is creating that connection with gosh, with the students. And then it is go, getting, doing a good job. So you continuously get asked back to that same school. And then you're not a fish out of water. Then you're part of the team. And I'm going to tell you what, um, Roger, that is going to oftentimes be the thing that gets you the job. It's going to be the thing that they go, man, this, Mr. Sam is awesome. Uh, we have a new English position opening up. Like, why don't you just come in and work with us? That's going to be one of those things that helps you out in that job too. Same advice for student teachers. Doing all those same things can end up getting you a job if you're out of school, especially if you're out of school that you want, that you wouldn't get in either normally, but they saw you. They saw what you can do, and now they're all about it. So, yeah. All right, I'm here. Are you listening? Because you just asked, uh, he's here, and he I'm asked here. a student uh, teaching question. My man, I'm here, Williams, <laughs> star of PBS, was a... Uh, if you go back and watch our Belize video, Imir has some, He's we had great. some great moments. He's awesome. He's, He's a student team. of mine now teaching in Philadelphia. He's and, teaching, uh, yeah, he was in his last semester. I guess I just student teaching. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He just looked like he was rocking the classroom when I saw his PBS. This yeah, thing He's on PBS awesome. News. I, which means he's going to rock the classroom. I mean, as soon as he gets there, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Uh, all right. Was, uh, he, was he asking something? 
Yes, but we're going in order. All right. Sorry, I'm here. I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to be fair. You're a beloved student of mine, but guess what? Fair. Daniel was here first. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Up. Daniel's asking, I'm teaching for a counseling slash teaching center that has 48 kids. How do I handle kids who have a traumatic background? This is a tough one because we don't, we're not trained in this all the time, right? It's, it, it's like you don't, you don't know exactly what to do. And there's so many different types of trauma there's just so many different types of students and to be honest with you man like you don't we can only do so much as educators because students aren't with us the majority of the day right those students i see for about an hour a day there are my students that come in in the beginning of the day during lunch after school stuff like that kids i even connect with outside of school but it is but that is that pales in comparison sometimes to what is what is sort of how do I want to put this? Um, speaking to you outside of school, right? And and so it is, and it's a lot. When I mean, when you have forty-eight kids, it's like how much can you give one student in the midst of a whole class? So I think what it comes down to for me is meeting students, making sure kids know I see them, right? I don't pour it on super thick. I don't have to be like, oh, I love you. I be so much. You're the best. I just want you to know you're the best. Like that's too much for some students. I'm going to meet you at the door. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to see you. And I'm going to know that you're, I want you to know that I'm, you're there. I'm going to treat you like you're not a broken little bird, right? I want to just bring you in. Sometimes kids already are getting that from somewhere. I just want to meet you like, like, I'm not pretending it's not there, but like, you're, you're a human being. Like, give me a hug, give me a, uh, a high five. Let's talk about stuff. I don't always have to talk about the thing that hurt you the most, right? But what I'm doing is building a no like, and trust factor. I can care for you in the way that you feel best about, right? Not every kid wants a high five or a hug or, or a shout out. Some kids want to post them. Some kids want an eyeball sticker on them so you can tell them, got my eye on you. It is building that that trust because what's going to happen is we got we gravitate this is what the research says we gravitate towards things that we are most familiar with and so one of those things we're the most familiar with like if you think about it like when your students come into the classroom they want to sit in the same seat someone else is in their seat we got a whole problem on our hands right because someone's sitting in a seat that didn't even have their name on it so it is creating a classroom that has consistency that has a warm feel to it that even if you don't get to decorate your classroom, you make it warm in that way, you can give kids the present of your presence. And then I think the last thing in all of this, and this is a very, very, very short version of this, is this idea of your, what do I say all the time? Your attention is more important than your <laughs> advice. I almost forgot my own job. I, <laughs> I know, and I was busy reading. Not all kids want your advice, need your advice or are ready for your advice but every kid needs someone to sit in the mud with to sit in the hurt with to not hurry their healing wounds take as long as wounds take to heal but if students are they're not alone that they're cared for that someone sit there to even just listen to them man i've had so many students that have had so many wild things happen in their lives from friends getting shot parents getting shot people being locked up being in foster care being homeless, living on their own, lying to the school that they weren't caught up in the streets, like all kinds of, of, of things that like going through a divorce, 
that kids have been through that I have never been through myself. And in those moments, I've learned that I can't say the right thing. There's nothing I can say that's going to fix them, that's going to make them feel better. And that shouldn't be our motive anyway. Our, our goal is to have kids give them the safe space to heal. And so by just sitting with someone and listening to them and letting them know, like, I'm really sorry that happened to you, like, but I'm so honored that you would even share that with me, that you would even tell that to me. Like, you know, this is always a safe place for you. But then the next time they come in class, they'll be like, how are you doing today? It's like, what's up, my man? How are we today? And feeling a kid out, seeing, trying to get a sense, use that intuition of what they need and then meeting them where they need some. I think that's the best way to, to help students have, you know, from our perspective, one of, it's at least sending you down the right path to helping students that have been hurt by all kinds of things. All right, uh, Catherine is up next. Uh, Hit it. Asking, I'm a new elementary principal. Congratulations. Awesome. Uh, what are the best PDs, PD days and staff meeting ideas you have? So, first of all, Catherine, congratulations. That is a lot of responsibility and i'm sure you know it it sounded probably sounded great and then you were like where'd my summer go i thought we were i thought i was gonna get all this stuff done so that's awesome i think uh best pd wow. days and staff meeting ideas just have to hit the giant head thing on there um is one i think to hire me catherine and bring me to your school and i can teach your staff about student <laughs> i'm saying this it's partially tongue-in-cheek tongue uh classroom Management, behavior, like management, uh, student engagement, all that stuff. Outside of that, I would say that one, you know, one of the things I've learned the most from is I, I think it's being mindful who you bring into your to your building, right? So I've had a ton of people that were either I don't know if they were, I don't know how how they were found, and I don't know what what reason they were brought in, but they were just not useful professional development uh, meetings. And, you know, the work that I get to do now, I can see people that do really great work. I mean, like stellar, like my friend Jen Jones has the, the best literacy professional development, hands down, I've ever seen. Like it's, it's mind blowing. Um, when we're talking about tech, my buddy Adam Welcome crushes it. Uh, Alex Kajitani getting kids to learn stuff that don't want to learn stuff. Uh, Alex won California Teacher of the Year, and he's known as a rapid mathematician. You can look him up on YouTube. You'll see there's news so reports about him. Naomi O'Brien yeah. was great. It's unbelievable, dude. Like, there's just so many. So it's being really mindful, but it's also remembering this. Ready? Most of the people you want to lead PD are already in your building. So it's asking your yeah. teachers, what do you specialize in? What? So here's what I've learned, and I have teachers do this when I do professional development. Educators often focus on the things that they are not good at, the things that they struggle with, the ways that where they feel like they lack. But they forget that there are some things they do in their classroom that are unbelievably good, that they're really, really good at organization, work-life balance, lesson plans, um, creating engaging student uh, learning experiences, building community with the students, building community with the staff, having fun, finding other way in the midst of, of madness, right? There's all this stuff that people are good at in your building. And it's about them understanding what they do that's ordinary for them, that's extraordinary to other people. And then having them lead 15 to 20 to 30 minute mini PDs that everybody can either circulate around 
or they can pick and choose where they want to go. And those have been some of the best professional developments we've ever had. We also had someone come to our school, I taught a school for all boys. I'm going to forget her name, taught a PD about specifically teaching boys. That was mind-blowingly fascinating. It was all the neuroscience behind that. Someone that talked about special education, but in a new way that went super deep. And maybe one other person talked about, oh, they talked about secondary trauma. Um, but that, those, I don't even remember anybody else. I just know that they all sucked. And so the, but the ones that have been the most meaningful work to me were like my friends at school teaching a mini PD that now I want to show up for you. Now I want to support you. I love you. Of course, I'm so thrilled. What are you going to talk about today? And then they talk to you about how they do classroom jobs and they are able to get things off their to-do list by giving them to other people. And you're just like, that was incredible. Uh, I can't believe someone's done that already. I'm absolutely doing that in my class. That's where I found the best pieces of my life is with the people I work with. Sorry, I'm a little slow. Hit it. <laughs> you got it. Uh, all right, KP is up next asking, how many scores would you put in the grade book each week? I want to cut down on the time I spend grading assignments. I put a lot, but I put a lot because I am minimizing, right? So off the top of my head on a given week is journal entries every single day. Those get graded every single day, right? But they're quick. It's zero out of five points. I look for a certain number of things. Bam, 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 bam. So on a sheet that has all the journal entries for the week on it, on Monday, you turn it in. When you get it back on Tuesday, already has your grade for Monday, right? So you know, so it's not a mystery when you get to the end of the week that I was like, oh, wait, why do I have a crappy grade? It's like, because you see the theme here? These kids can already see what they're doing. It is, um, I'd say, gosh, there's, a, there's an assessment every week. So there's a, either an assessment on the reading or assessment on vocab or both every Friday. So that's two grades. And then I try to have at least one thing a day that students are handing in that they're getting credit for. And, but here's the thing. Sometimes that is looking for completion, right? So like if students do guided notes, I'm not going to sit here and look at your freaking guided notes. Like I, I'm just looking for it to be filled in. If you're trying to pull a trick on me and you got a hundred out of four, uh, or like, a four out of four points, right? Because uh, I do total points, not percentage-wise. Great, you pulled one over on me, got four points because you wrote poop for every answer. I don't really care. Because now it's going to show up when you do your test and you don't do well. And then you want to come to me for a retest. And I say, let me see your notes. Let's go over them. And it's poop for every answer. It's a real story. It's something that happened before. So um, great. Then guess what? What you wrote down is exactly the grade that you got. So, the, so it's then... Um, grading things in chunks. So maybe I'll have students like we're working on a study guide and we're doing uh, questions on that. It's trying to grade things as fast as I can because I'd rather grade something for me. I'd rather grade something several times during the week in small little chunks than do like 20 questions, 12 questions, 15 questions at the end of the week it takes so much longer. And so, and the other thing is, if you feel safe, if you have students that you, that you feel good about doing this with, it's having students grade things that you don't have to do. So we talked about this last week where I, and I oh no, actually this was in the back to school boot camp also. Anything that's multiple choice or matching or something that's not a written response, I never grade myself. I have TAs 
that are either older students that I get to opt out of in their schedule, they opt out of study hall, and they come and be my teaching assistant for the quarter instead. Or I have students from other classes uh, or from that class that is a trusted peer that I know is going to grade it and not dog someone about their grade or whatever. Then they grade those assignments. I only grade the parts that I have to grade, and that takes a lot off my plate as well. And then I'm able to get more stuff in the grade book. But my goal for me is by end of day Friday, everything in the week has been graded uh, so that students have a very clear sense of where their grades are, and so do their parents. But that's just because I've gotten better at it over the years. We're actually going to do a, a, a training coming up, a boot, like a like a workshop you can sign up for on grading and lesson planning and like some of the hacks that I've learned to like really severely lessen the amount of time, lessen the amount of time that that takes for me. Okay, up next is Stephanie asking, fourth year teaching, sixth grade math started off as usual with expectations. Whoa. Uh, but I'm afraid the kids are not taking me seriously about the way of my classroom. How can I fix this two weeks in? So um, I'm reading this again. So I think, Steph, it's sometimes it's about, you know, I, I often say that I'm everyone's first, I'm everyone's favorite teacher the first day of school. Like, pro I'm probably one. Like, I'm, I'm everyone's first favorite teacher. But the second day of school, the second week of school, eh, not so much. It's about a 50-50. Because kids see that, they, I think kids often take kindness as weak. They see that you're nice. They see that you are kind. They see that you want to have fun. And then they think it's just like a free-for-all or like they do whatever they want. And that's that's where we run into trouble. So for me, it's about really helping students to understand that like stopping class and saying like, I think y'all got it twisted. Like I'm not here to just play around. I'm here to help you win. But I also realize that school is not, and you can use your own language here, of course, but like School sucks most of the time. School is boring as hell most of the time. And so what I'm trying to do is breathe some life into something that that is just no fun most of the time. But if we're doing what we're doing, then you're not finding success. So I want you to really understand, I'm trying to have fun so you can win. Because the science shows that if students learn something in an enjoyable manner or they have fun or they can attach silliness to it or some other memory, they are go they're far more apt to remember things. That's why we're doing this. But if that's not working, I have other tools in my toolbox. Some are just more or less desirable than, than what we're doing here. So we could do quiet, we could do no talking, we could do working independently at our desks for the majority of the class. We could. But my, my whole thing is like, I'm willing to use any tool that I have. I don't have to have a good time at school, right? Because my good time is you graduating. My good time is you moving on and having a wonderful life and living your dream. And then that, that's what I'm waiting for, right? This isn't, a, this isn't, I'm not looking for the short-term win here. I'm looking for the long game. And so you are my only concern as in this job. And so sometimes having those conversations with students really helps them to see what's going on. And then it's, I think, and I have a video coming about, out about this on Tuesday. What do we do with those kids that keep talking? Because we know that when one kid talks, it spreads like a cold, right? Like all of a sudden everyone's doing it, right? It's like all of a sudden whack-a-mole. So what do we do to refocus those one to 
handful of students that are being the most problematic in class and getting it completely off task. Um, that, that video comes out on Tuesday, like I said, but I think it's also one of the things I don't talk about in the video is putting a sticker or a post-it note on the student's desk that are engaged, that are quiet, that are part of what we're doing, asking them to stay at the end of class. Yo, I need to talk to y'all for a minute. And then just telling them real quick, like, hey, look, I know things are a little bit wacky right now. I know they're a little bit out of control. I want you to know that we're going to get there, but I'm already seeing that you're trying. I see that you're paying attention. I see you're giving your best. And I really appreciate that. And I didn't want it to go, I didn't want it to be lost on you. Then it's incentivizing that stuff. Like those handful of kids, it's like giving them a lollipop, giving them a sticker, giving them a piece of gum, like doing something where you are caring for those kids out loud and showing them that their, their efforts um, are not going unseen. And so, and then building that culture over time. And then I'd say last thing step is like, can we grow the percentage? And this is one of the things I talk about in the video on Tuesday is you're going to grow the, like if I'm at, if I'm at, if I feel like I'm on lock with five out of 20 kids, right. And that's a pretty small number. Can I get it to six? Who in here do I think I can get on board? What, what two of the next one to two kids I think I can get on board if I gave them focus, time, attention, and energy? Can I grow it to six? Can I grow it to seven? Can I maybe go for 10 in the next two weeks? And then growing that over time. So then what you're doing is you're looking at what the you're looking at the growth pattern of what you're capable of doing and not just focusing on the kids that are, are the most problematic is a really good tactic as well. Slow and steady. When's the race? That's what I heard. And I've been slow my whole life. So, you know, it must, <laughs> it must be hard. Are you winning? <laughs> I got, hey, yep. I think so. Uh, all right. Our next question comes from Liz asking, I'm teaching three preps this year, ELD slash ELA, organization tips, planning tips, and feeling a little overwhelmed. So, man, Liz, first of all, let me just uh, affirm you that three is a lot. That's a lot of things to prep. I, I have a guy that I'm working with right now through mentoring, our mentoring program that is doing six. He has six different classes in a given day, and they're not even the same grade. So three is a lot, but I would say one, run your classes the same way. There's certain things you can rinse and repeat with that you can recycle through each class. So when I was teaching, at one point I was teaching ninth and 10th grade. The way I started my class every single day was with a journal. I found that a lot of journals I could use that I was reading, let's say, Lord of the Flies with my ninth grade, 10th grade's reading Macbeth. Could I recycle the journal entry for the day? But we're doing it. It's You come in, you grab your stuff, you're doing this thing. For the first five minutes, that's what we're doing. Then we're going into a literary practice. Or like, so let's say we're talking about vocab, right? Does any of the vocab overlap? And even if it doesn't, I'm just doing vocab for that next 10 minutes of class, right? Then I launch, in, and then the way I do vocab all week is the same in each class. Like the way I'm reviewing, it's different words, same review tactic. It is then going into what is the, the meat of today? Like what is the big thing we're doing? So let's say we're working on a specific literary term and we're going over simile, metaphor, imagery, something like that. It is... Can I do the same thing in, with this class that I'm doing with this class? And if it's 10th grade versus 9th grade, can we just go a level deeper? So it's teaching some of the same stuff, 
but it is like, and even if you can't do that, it's like you, you're, what you're doing is building a rhythm that's similar. So I'm, can I come up with this uh, journal entry that takes five minutes, this vocab uh, exercise that takes 10, the meat of my exercise is about 20 minutes. And part of that is going to be uh, uh, direct instruction. Part of it's independent practice. Part of it's group work. Um, having the same flow to your week. So at the end of every week, there's an assessment. It's building in a rhythm to your class that is going to take away some of the stuff that you have to do. The second thing is do not recreate the wheel. Find stuff and repurpose it. So whether that is, and look, you got to be careful because, you know, things like teachers paying teachers, there's some people that never taught, some people that taught for five minutes and quit, but they really like making resources. Um, and there's other folks on there but that have been doing this game for a long time. So it's finding stuff that you like and then re, like figuring out how do I put my own spin on this? I would never just use something as it is. I always like to sprinkle my own magic on it, but it's looking for stuff, whether it's from another teacher, whether it's from a teacher that used to work at your school, whether it's buying something online, it's finding ways to like get you started. So you're not just like sitting there and going, all right, um, Romeo and Juliet, where should we start? Uh, and then coming up with it on your own, even if you have old textbooks, there's good stuff in some of these, like, calling all those resources, coming up with a plan, having a rhythm for the week that you now know, all right, I need journal entries, I need five journal entries, I need 10 vocab words a week, I need, uh, we're going to read this many pages this week, I need this many questions for it, we have an assessment at the end of the week, what's on the assessment? It's coming up with rhythms like that are really going to help. And then um, planning, I would say, for, it's finding finding your best for you, right? There's there are three, I think this is how it was explained to me. There's three different kinds of people in the world. Some, I'm one of them, are very, very good from like 5 to 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. There's other folks that are the far minority in the world is like 11 to 5, and then it's 5 to 10, 11 o'clock at night, right? It's figuring out when you're at your most creative and you're at your most productive. So for me, it's that morning time. I then have to protect that with my whole heart. That I have in my office, I have a door that I close and I have a curtain that goes over it. I put AirPods in so I can't hear people in the other room. I go into the tight bubble of total focus as Robin Sharma calls it. And I just create, I put a timer on so I only have a certain amount of time. But you'll find that giving yourself an hour a day to create is so much better than three hours of you're doing 17 other things because what you need to do is get into that sense of flow, create that space for yourself to be able to do it. And then remember this, that as the years progress, you now have all this backlog. You have this whole toolkit of stuff that you're able to pull out of. So next year, so this year, you're really building your toolkit for next year so that you can really, um, you can level up next year and the year after that and the year after that, because you've done this all before. Right. That's something teachers forget too, is that like, it's doing a really great job this year because future you is going to be so thankful that you did. It's hard when you feel like you have like, I would imagine I'm not a school teacher uh, in the traditional sense, but like having 
you know, you only get one year with these kids, right? So you yeah. feel like you want to give your best, do your best, and be your best. So it's hard to still understand that you're growing as a human and as an educator at the same time. And there's going to be learning curves and you're not going to do it all perfect. And you feel like you're disturbing your students. That is, that is really important that you just said that. The reason I think it's important to give yourself grace in that is that no, like, no one teacher ever made a kid, right? Even your favorite teacher of yeah, all time that's... wasn't the only one. Right. So it will get made up for on the back end somewhere if it's meant to be. So, like, I, yeah. I never had one teacher in my life that was, like, the teacher that I was, like, oh, snap. Like, they're the best. Like, they, they didn't just teach. fulfill every need that you had as yeah. a student, right? It's, like, the why community is a, uh, what do you say? <laughs> teaching is a communal activity there you go. Thank right? you. so like it's knowing that um there are other your students are going to have a lot yeah. of teachers in their life you just show up and give them the best you have right now and look not everyone's going to get your best right like you know I, I know he's such an overused example but like michael jordan's high school didn't get nba michael jordan Sorry, but yeah. you know, do you think they were like, how come you didn't play like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my students always are like, how come you didn't do this? When I was in your class, I didn't think of it then. Yeah. I wasn't the teacher I am now, right? I am, yeah. I hopefully I'm growing. I'm not some static character in your story, right? right? I'm always There's getting so better. So much pressure. Pe teachers put so much pressure on yeah. themselves. Which is why people make way better grandparents most of the time than they make parents. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Daniel's up next asking, if you had to teach science, how would you teach oh, it? Oh, man. Like I was on Mythbusters, um, I I think if I taught science one, my classroom would look like a mad scientist laboratory. It'd look like something from Willy Wonka. I think I'd have like, you know, flasks and test tubes and graduated cylinders like all over the place. I'd probably dress crazy with hair. Um, I would teach a lot. Like I'm going to tell you what, if you're teaching science, even uh, she's mostly elementary, but did some high school also. My friend Becky Schnexer, good luck spelling that last name, but she has a book called Expedition Science. She is the best science teacher, science teacher I've ever seen in my life. She's unbelievable. Never in her classroom, always outside. Even when she taught in like inner city, and, and the reason I, inner city is important there is because when you teach in the inner city, you, there's not like, you don't have nature around you. There's not tons of grass and trees and stuff like that. There's not like a lot of things to go do. Becky would find a two by two square of dirt and be like, we're going to learn some stuff. We're doing science today. Our kids were experiencing science. They were being scientists. And so it is for me, that's what it is. I want you to engage with what we're doing. I don't want to just learn in a book or just a, or a PowerPoint. Those are important sometimes and are very good vehicles for how we can communicate information to young people. But then what are, it's always comes back to what are we doing with this, right? How does this enrich your life and your learning experience and who you are? And so for me, it would be, we're doing experiments. We're going outside. We're getting our hands dirty and man, Becky is fantastic with that stuff. So picking up her book is, that's what I would suggest. But um, yeah, I think I would, it would be a lot of hands-on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I think science, that's part of the fun of science. There's so much cool stuff. There really is. And I there's, think that's you know, but there's a lot of 
background. Like, look, so when you teach English, like sometimes there's certain books that there's so much back information you need. So when my students used to read Persepolis, it was like, it's one of the reasons I had to stop doing it was, it was like, there's so much base knowledge that you don't have about the Iranian revolution, about Stalin, Gandhi, Che Guevara. It's like all these folks that are mentioned or moments that are mentioned. It's like, no, because sometimes you can get the gist without going back. So I can teach a short story, like the sniper, without going super deep into like the politics of Ireland, but you still, I can give you like a little background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. enough to yeah. move on. Um, okay, Stephanie over on Facebook is asking, how do I best highlight a brand new life skills classroom without making the other teachers in my small private school jealous? So, so I think the big question here is, um, Stephanie, I have dealt with a lot of jealousy in my life, um, especially as an educator, especially when you're next door to someone whose class is not going so well this year. I think the way that we get over on this is one has to start with this idea that we are own schools, education's only ever about students. This isn't about me. And when I can free myself of that idea and, and remind myself of that idea, I'm not trying to be teacher of the year. I really want my kids to have the best year ever. Then I'm going to make my class awesome no matter what anyone thinks about me. It's not about me anyway. That is a constant reminder I to give myself. The other thing, right, here's the game changer, is that when you invite people into your awesome, things change. That is it people are jealous or aggravated or don't like what you're doing because they haven't been invited. And so going next door and being like, hey, um, Desmond, dude, I'm doing this great thing today. Or the, the, I have, uh, the kids are going to have this incredible experience today. It's not I'm doing something. The kids are going to have this incredible experience today where their DJ is coming in. It's going to show them how to do this. We have a street artist coming in. They're going to show them how to do this. We have a poet coming in that's going to lead a slam in the room. And I think I just think that you would love it finding something maybe that they are even uniquely suited for or have a particular interest in because you know about them, invite them into your classroom, and then they get to be a part of something that's incredible too. So for instance, I had a uh, street artist named Amberello from Philadelphia come into my school after school one, one day, and she led like a session on mental health and, and uh, graphic design and street art. So I invited in, I went to these, I didn't just put out an email to everyone. I went to certain individuals also and just said, Hey, listen, I'm going to send an email to the whole staff, but I'm having this street artist come in. And these are folks I knew that were like into DJing, into art, into fashion, into design. I just, you know, after we, I've heard this about you or we've talked about this before. I just think that you would um, (laughs) really enjoy this. And so I just wanted to make sure that I gave you a personal invitation and then send the email out to the school. But when we invite people into our awesome, it is, it reminds me of this. I've talked about this several times. Um, Jose, who lives behind me, my house, has banger parties all the time. And sometimes they're a little bit too loud. Sometimes they're laughing a little bit too much. Sometimes there's a little bit too much barbecue smoke blowing into my yard. Now, just Jose's parties aggravate me because of it's too loud and there's too much going on and it's late, whatever. Or 
Jose, do I not like that you don't invite me over? Because if I was over there, I wouldn't be so concerned with how late it was or how much fun we were having or how much laughing was going on or how much banging music was happening. But me sitting alone in my own backyard, just feel a little bit, I don't like when Jose has these parties because he kind of sucks and I don't really like him. But it's just because he doesn't invite me into his awesome is probably better. Even if they don't come, it's really nice to be invited. And so it's creating those experiences just because the kids are the most important thing and then inviting people into your awesome is going to help you get past a lot of that. And look, I, that's the best thing you can do. If people still don't like it, that's on them. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make memories for kids. Uh, and I'm not worried about what other people think about me. Okay. Um, does that still apply? I have a follow-up. She says, well, it's not a follow-up question, but just a, an added comment. She said, I have a brand new, beautiful kitchen classroom and some are salty. I don't think it changes anything. No. You still invite people in to enjoy that thing because it's not yours. It's the schools and it's the students. Yeah. I would and, and, and look, I've been into some really incredible schools right we one time went to radnor middle school just outside of philadelphia oh, to aaron howie's classroom and it is remarkable i tell the story in my book it is a remarkable school you could get jealous and i remember my students were like dude this is like wow we have all this and i can mm -hmm. see it creeping in and my answer to them was dude this is what everybody's classroom should look like this is what every school should look like so aren't we so thankful? Like, isn't this so great that kids have this environment to learn in? Isn't it so great that the kids have the state-of-the-art technology to be able to learn from and to engage with? Instead of getting salty about it, it's being excited that the students have this. That's how I'm choosing to focus on it. That's how I'm choosing to look at it. I'm shifting my mindset from why don't I get to do this thing? You know what? That's awesome, the kids. I hope we all get class. Yo, principal, I would love my students to have that same exact experience. Also, maybe you could work on getting the English classroom to not smell like a basement. Like, it's it's doing that um, and, and shifting your mindset around that. So, look. And look, she's a fellow silver fox. You know, I see that hair in the profile <laughs> picture. Do it, too. Uh, okay, Noah is up next asking, have you often uh, have you often referenced this life odyssey assignment? Where can we find it? Or uh, you often reference? So we're getting a new website and it will probably be on there when it's it's on. on yes. Time. I'm trying to think if we could do like a I don't want to tell people to email us because Romina might quit right away. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a suggestion. That's a tech thing. And I don't, you know me. Uh, it's not a strong suit. If you're interested in the Life Odyssey. Oh, you're doing it anyway. No, here's what I'm going to do. Um, oh, gosh. Let me think about that. I'm going to come up with an answer for you, Noah. I don't have it. I would say you can email us, Noah, but I don't, I don't need a thousand emails. You can email us. <laughs> but then it's going to go on my mailing list, and I want people to be able to opt into the mailing list. That's why I'm a little stuck. No, I'm not saying, like, to do a... I'm just saying, no, I email us. Hit us up. Just email us. We'll get it to you. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, what? Here's the problem that that happens sometimes. I say that, and I'm not the one who has to deal with it. Then I get 500 emails in my inbox, and whoever's dealing with it is like, what the hell did you tell everyone? And I'm like, listen... I was trying to be nice, and then, so I'm, the, my hesitancy has nothing to do with me. I'm trying to yeah. think beyond me. 
Well, so, it's like, what's the easiest way to get it to multiple people, right? It yeah. would be a download on our website, which that will come um, because resources are coming to our website. But uh, until in the interim, how do we get that to you? The easiest way is to email us, but don't everybody email. That's Cat, yeah, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. Now we the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> I know, right? Now we're gonna get it. That's another weird thing. What the hell was the cat doing in the bag to begin with? What kind of cat owner are you? All right, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Finally I'm here. All right, any tips on how I can be successful for my traditional official start of student teaching semester? I'm here. I think you already know the answer to this. Think about the, your favorite teachers that you had at Boys Life. Um, okay, Mr. Reynolds. If you had, so we all had different skill sets, right? Reynolds creating a classroom that kids want to be in, right? Creating somewhere that looks cool, that feels cool. And even if you don't have a cool looking classroom, you go full Miss Flowers, who gave you the present of her presence that stopped what she was doing and made every kid feel loved and cared for. Miss Casey, the same thing. Casey was a little bit of a mix. She did have a nice classroom, but like it was the way she made kids feel when they were in there. It was keeping it real with kids, like Mr. Meeks, right? Like really taking the time. And uh, I think you were there for Pascal too. Stopping what you're doing, keeping it real, not sugarcoating stuff, but not beating kids down with, with what you knew too, right? Like really caring for them. Being like Cho, super consistent. You don't, you are like, if I say something's important, it's important and I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to take late work. I'm not going to take extra credit. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, like I'm being consistent for you, especially when we're teaching in communities where a lot of our students, and we know, we know this by demographics, right? We know by like the intake forms that we get from parents, that some students that come from a lack of inconsistency in their lives, they thrive when given some consistency. However, there's some pushback in the beginning, but it's really creating these consistent rules, uh, procedures and routines that kids are going to thrive inside of. So it's really just thinking back to those teachers that you had in high school, thinking about what their gifts were. And then also, bro, thinking about what is your gift? Like you're, you are, you are specifically and tailor made to interact. There's going to be some kid that school that is your assignment. That is the student, you know, you're there to help. And I've had any number of these when we were at Boys Life, right? But if I think back to like, um, and I wasn't the only one for these students, right? We're not talking about being a savior here, but like, if I'm talking to you, it's, if I look back at like Krabby Patty or Barry Woods or DJ Dirty Kev or Cheesesteak or to some degree, Blessing, who also made my hair turn gray. And even though it was like, he was a blessing, I guess, in another way, but it was really finding those students that like, you were going to have that unique connection with and then knowing that you're there for them. I'm not at school for every kid. I'm not the person for every kid. So there's dudes like Malachi that he was just for someone else. No shade to me or to him. It's just like our connection wasn't, wasn't like that, but there are students that you're going to show up with that. You're going to be their, their person, be on the lookout for them and take a kid that, that thinks they're invisible and let them know that they're visible because that's why you're there. And so that's a couple of things I would think about, but uh, my best dude, you also know that like, you can just hit me up. Like if you don't have my phone number, just DM me, I'll give you my number. Uh, if you don't have it already. Although if you had it before, you still have it because it hasn't changed like a hundred years. Um, I'll help you with anything that you have going on.
Well, it's like a personal hookup. Okay, well, we're a little over an hour, so we need to end. But um, I just want to say that Miss Gonzalez just, I want to read her. She has a, a couple of things Please. that she wants to say. They're not really questions, just a, a statement. Um, in five parts. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, but she came up with a solution. She said, email it out, like the Odyssey, like send it out in the newsletter. Like, and so we don't have to put a newsletter because yeah. we kind of don't really have that anymore, but we could just send it out to our email list. Okay. Um, that's we'll really nice. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you. I thought about that, but. Oh, why didn't you say that? Because I didn't know how that, like, no, how individuals would sign up. For no, it. it's not signing up for it. Um, you just already got to be on the list. Okay. Uh, and if you're not on the list, I don't really. You can I, go. I, you can go. I don't think that you can because that's connected to MailChimp and we. All right, we're figuring service. it out. I know. See, text all. We're all in Good the job, change though. of everything. Gonzales. But thank you, Gonzalez. And let's read her. Uh, uh, her statement. Please. She said, "This isn't really a question, but I hope people find it helpful." So I have been following y'all forever, and a lot of the times my husband is in the room. Um, when I'm learning from you and he, and I also read your book together. He is not a teacher. He's a golf prof professional, but he should have a master's degree in junior high drama by now after listening to me for the past five years. Anyway, I told him that I had the best first week of school this year. His comment was, well, I know you have been trying to implement a lot of the things that you have learned from CJ. And I can tell that it is helping when you tell me what you are doing. I'm so happy for you that it is working. I didn't even realize that might be why, but I thought it was a pretty awesome plug for you. So thank you for helping me make a better teacher and person. I appreciate that. That really awesome. makes me slightly emotional. I will say that. Uh, and awkward because that's how you get. I do. You know, I'm working <laughs> on that. But um, Kelly Gonzalez has been one of those people. She's done mentoring with me for a few times now. And I, I won't say other names, but like there are a handful of people that immediately implement stuff, but I don't know that anyone has implemented. Maybe there's one other person I'm thinking of, Jill, yeah. but like, you just said you I know, but I didn't want to shut up, but it is that like, are the fastest implementers of the things I say to do. And then they see the no, ROI, can, but it's, but, but it's not other just mentees me. that I can think of that but they, have done that and had, were first year you're, teachers you're right. implemented and right. the things I, that you said. And so the more I think about it, had I, tons of success. but it's, it's not just listening to me. It's having the courage to, to listen to your own intuition, yes. to try the thing, to do it with a level of intentionality and commitment and, so yeah, so that is that is part of the game. Such a big part of the game of education is like knowing what you're supposed to do. You can feel you can feel the intuition, right? <clears throat> and then acting accordingly in such a way where you're stepping out with confidence and with a level of bravery um, that you're willing to do it, and then not being afraid of failure. It's being afraid to fail slow. That's what I don't want to do. I just don't want to fail slow. I want to fail fast so I can pivot, so I can shift, so I can do things the right way and get closer to the, the, the right course. It's never, it's never a straight shot. It's always kind of like this, but can I, can I catch more ups than downs? Can I get better at bouncing back yeah. from a failure than getting crushed and drinking a box of wine all weekend? So it's working through that. So I love hearing that. Congratulations to you. That's yeah. fantastic. So glad you had a good first week. Yes. Um, all right. I think we'll end there. But Before I do, you leave, real wait, quick. Wait, I want to say 
Um, then I want to see something. Go ahead. <laughs> so I guess we're not ended. No. Uh, to everyone who's having a first day of school tomorrow, like, have a great yes. uh, first day and enjoy the kids and the students and have fun. Yeah. Look, if you could please subscribe if you're not subscribed. Please just like the video, right? We don't get, we're not like, uh, we don't have ads on this video. Just, it does, it does. It yeah, but doesn't help to, us like make money or no, something. No, it, it bounces in the algorithm so more people are going to know that we're yeah. here and doing this. If you like this, there's other people out there that need it. And if it is your beginning of the school year, I still have the link underneath for the beginning, the new teacher to-do list. Um, even though it's not summer for you anymore, there's like a list of like 18 things that are going to help in your first couple of weeks to make sure that you're doing that. It's just going to help you to have a better year. That's all we want you to do. Yes. We want you to have the greatest year ever. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, Sunday, 4 p.m. That's it, gang, right? Yeah, that's it. Cool. Peace. Thanks.